Welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat. I'm Robin Ayoub, your host. Join me for captivating conversations with industry leaders exploring localization, translation, and global communication. Ignite your curiosity as we expand your horizons through these conversations. So let's dive in together into the Localization Fireside Chat. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat. My name is Robin Ayub. I'm the founder of this uh, uh, podcast and YouTube channel. We're an independent channel. We're not influenced by anybody. Uh, this is a self-initiative I started uh, a few months ago, and uh, thanks to all of our listeners and, and, and audience, uh, we just surpassed the 85,000 views on YouTube, so we're celebrating this today. And we got about 30,000 downloads on our all of our podcast channels. So thanks to all of you for making us a this young channel a success. And I really appreciate everybody listening in and tuning in to our conversation. We hold here a, an unbiased, unscripted conversations. This is not by any chance a, a pre-prepared conversations. This is a usual over a coffee kind of conversation. And I have the pleasure and the honor to be accompanied today with Bethany Nanomi, which I've met Bethany before. We've had conversations about several topics. Most of them are near and dear to my heart is sales and sales enablement, making us a little bit more efficient in what we do and growing revenues, which is near and dear to everybody's heart in any industry, specifically in the localization industry today. I have people telling me all the time, the biggest problem we're facing is revenue generation. And this conversation, hopefully it helps somebody and giving them ideas and how to drive revenue forward by making us all a little bit more efficient. So Bethany, welcome to the channel. And I'm very happy to have you with me today on this important topic. If you don't mind for the audience, Bethany, introduce yourself. Thank you, Robin. I'm super excited to be here. So my name is Bethany Nonami and I am a sales team trainer. So I've worked with sales teams for the last 25 years and recently focusing on how can we make more money in less time because we have the pressure to deliver the sales volume. We have to meet the clients. We have to network and prospect and follow up. And when do we do that? And how do we do that? And are there ways that we can make that more efficient so our job doesn't drag us down so much and we can actually enjoy how we spend a majority of our life? You know what? You just hit, you know, I I was wondering before we got into the conversation, because such a topic that we can talk about it for a couple of weeks, but, you know, we only have one hour. We've got to do this this episode in one hour. You just hit the nail on the head in a couple of more topics here that, you know, when we talk about the acceleration of revenue generation, when we're talking about, you know, being a lot more efficient than what we do, what when, when we do business as salespeople, like you mentioned, the several aspects of the sales job is, how do we get there? Uh, you know, how do we make things a lot more efficient than where they are right now, in your opinion? I mean, part of it is realizing that maybe how we're doing things today is not the best way. It might be how we're comfortable. It might be what we're used to, but there's often a better way, whether it's a, a process, whether it's delegating, and, and it doesn't mean we're giving away everything that we do, but there are so many parts of what we do that we feel like we can do the best. So we take it and we do it and then we're exhausted and we don't have any time to do anything else. So how can we look at the process that we have today? And is there a better way? Is there a process better way? Is there a technology better way? How can we make that better? And just being open-minded to maybe there is a better way and maybe we can figure that out and get some help if we can't. 
So you you mentioned something earlier. The fundamental thing in sales is the time. You know, mm-hmm. if if time was not a it's not a factor in a sales job, then probably we don't have a problem. Right. But since, since we are talking now in early December, uh, yeah. December fourth on on a Monday, and January is upon us, and most you know calendar sales calendars start in January. So right. and, and we're up against that you know dead end at the end of the year, which is the thirty first of December. And the start in you know, the clock starts to tick in in, in January. What a, what an opportunity right now to start talking now. We should have talked actually earlier early in the last in the last <laughs> quarter, but now it's good time as any to talk yeah. about how do we prepare for that January first that when the clock starts to tick on the twenty fourth, you know, the twenty twenty four calendar, in more in terms of meeting our goals, meeting our quotas as sales team. So. And the opportunity here is for all of us to learn something new, but at the same time, the objective for all of us as sales team is to put more opportunities in, put more goals in, put more prospects in the funnel and see by the end of the year, how many of those have have I closed and did I close enough to meet my quotas? So how do we do that? How do we do more with less basically? So I think there's a couple of things. I think sometimes we are so focused on our current pipeline that we lose sight of the people that we've talked to and nurtured in the past. So I think there's an opportunity in December specifically for low hanging fruit because everybody's slowing down, everybody's planning, but sometimes you have a window right now to follow up with people that you met two years ago. You can look at your calendar and we'd be amazed how many meetings we take. And sometimes it's not the right time at that moment. We might have the customer that has the problem. We might have the perfect solution, but timing wasn't right. They had things going on with their their boss or their team that just take took their attention away. So I think December is a great time to get back in front of everybody that you've talked to going back even two to three years. So I think people lose sight of the fact that at any given time, one to 3% are buying, one to 3% are looking for a car, one to 3% are shopping for a dog, one to 3% are looking for a TV. That means that the other 97 to 99%, it just wasn't the best time. So it wasn't that it, it wasn't you and it wasn't meant to be you. It just was timing. But our buyers are busy. So they're not going to think about us two years later and be like, oh, I really need to call Robin because I remember that thing he said two years ago. And I said, one day I'm going to have the money. And we we kind of realized that after we've talked to a person, they said, it's not the best time, but I, we'll look at it later. Sometimes we kind of get our feelings hurt a little bit and we we... We lose our confidence a little bit and and we have to dust ourselves off and stand back up. But that wasn't a no. That was just maybe not not right now. So you can not only reach back out to people that you've touched bases with over the years, go through your email, go through your phone, your text messages, go through appointment meetings that you've had and just touch bases and see where they are. Because even if they have some budget left, they might have some creative ways that they can say, hey, we are not ready yet, but we've got $5,000 left. So is it a good time to maybe, maybe we can get started or maybe we can ink something on paper. If anything, they'll remember you for next year when their budget does come through, when they're starting to think about things in January, because they forget too. They have lives that they're managing. They have families that they're dealing with. They have the demands of work. 
they forget as well. So it's a good time for us to say, yes, let's make some plans for next year, but who can I reach out to now while everybody else is planning for next year? Oh, correct. You're absolutely correct. Because a lot of times, you know, there are a lot of gems hidden in the uh, calendar book or in the email inbox and, you know, in the text messages. You're absolutely correct because we tend yeah. to deal with the the fresh, the top of mind, the immediate. And we're always we're always forgetting about, yeah. you know, some of the good conversations that we've had a couple of years ago or three years ago. And, you know, no, nobody actually bothered to keep up with those, not because they don't want to, just because time of an essence and you're rushing toward that year end goal and you didn't have a chance to check back and see and you, re- you have a very good point because now it's it gives the people like a lot of natural excuses to reach out it's the middle of the you know the end of the year it's the holidays wishing somebody somebody you know happy holidays merry christmas whatever you prefer it feels like naturally to reach out to somebody and you're cutting through the weed you're not just another spammer out there trying to reach out to somebody right um, and it's the time of the year is very important now to reach out to people. Isn't that correct? Yeah, the time of it. Absolutely. It's a great time. And not everybody is on a calendar year end either. So there are many companies that their year doesn't enter till March or April. So it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's do it's the end. It's the cutoff for everybody. And mm-hmm. I think the other thing, Robin, if I can just share really quickly, sometimes people don't know what we do. We think they know what we do, but they don't. So I I grew up in technology, which meant everyone in my family thought I could fix the VCR. They thought I could fix the microwave. Anything with the power button is like, Bethany can fix that. I worked in computers. I was not a computer programmer. I was in sales. I sold computers and software. But in their mind, they're like, oh, there's a remote and a power button. That's Bethany's job. So I think we have to remember People don't know what we do, and it's our job to tell them, this is the problem we solve. These are the types of clients we've helped in the past. Do you know anybody? And you half know, of the time, they don't. I mean, they know someone. They just didn't know what we did. You know, you have a very, very valid point because, if you know, a quick research on the Internet would tell you, like, this specific question, what do you do? It's <laughs> one of the toughest questions for people to answer because, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you've been through the situation where you ask somebody, what do you do? And by the end of the answer, I'm still thinking, like, I still don't understand what you do. What is it exactly you do? (laughs) Sometimes it's maybe because the description gets so deep. You know, we try to impress people by telling them, like, this long, convoluted answer of what Uh, we do. People don't understand, can't relate it anymore. So, you know, they wash out that memory pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's not we we have three seconds of attention. So we don't, we don't have 30 seconds. Elevator pitches are three to five seconds. And the goal is just for them to say, oh, how do you do that? You don't have to say our five-part methodology. We've worked with 7,000 clients. Let me name them in alphabetical order. It's just to keep them to say, oh, and get them to lean in. That's it. That's, that's the only, and it's hard to be concise and clear and, and, and hook them. It's, it's Monday, so I, I'm allowed to do a joke. It's not Friday, I know. So what I was on a call and just anecdotally, and this person was supposed to give us, you know, an elevator pitch mm. and it took on forever, forever. So on the chat, on the other side, on the other screen, you know, a bunch of us were just commenting on this long sales pitch <laughs> on the elevator pitch. 
And one of my comments was like, is this building has like 200 story and that's elevator is going up for 200 story up. It's yeah. you know, this is where you, your three seconds note is well taken. You yeah. either capture, capture the attention in three, in three seconds. Even people are listening, but they're not listening after the No, they might be looking at their phone while you're talking. I mean, it's like... Make an eye contact. You can rest assured the the surface memory of an individual. It's being flushed out automatically. So yes, yes, absolutely. So let's talk about you know now that we set the stage of what this conversation is about. Let's get into the mechanics of it. And I know you and I have talked about the salesperson's desire is to reach out more people, to take less time to take notes, to compose an email, to and especially now with the current situation of all the tools that are available, which we're making a huge amount of progress. And I know you and I've talked about a few of those in the past in terms of making the salesperson's job focus on what's real, making right. that human contact, take right. away all the other elements of administrative stuff that you people, most people don't like doing like logging on expenses and expense reports or taking notes in a meeting and summarizing a meeting or, you know, all that stuff now can be auto-generated. Am I not, am I correct on this one? Absolutely. So whether or not you use Zoom, Zoom now has an AI companion that will look for your name being mentioned, will look for comments or things that they think that are key takeaways or action items. And it kind of helps you summarize that. So there's been tons of note takers. So sometimes I was on a meeting Friday and there were more AI note takers than people. So people didn't join, but their AI was there. So there's Otter, Fireflies, Phantom is a really great one. Some of them are free. And some of them have free-ish, so it's freemium. You can do certain things, but you you can't fully do it. And we started using one that's really designed for salespeople. And it, it does the follow-up for us. It connects it to the CRM. It can do the email follow-up. And if it said, let's meet December 15th at 3 p.m., it says, do you want me to schedule the meeting? Should the same people join? Because it connects to Zoom or it connects to Teams. Um, so it, it helps with some of that follow-up because if our job is to be on the phone all day, yeah. whether it's with our team or with our clients or with our prospects, there's always follow-up. There's always something to do when you get off the meeting. What's the name so, of that tool? What's the name of that tool that you mentioned? That's called Sybil. Oh, Sybil. Okay. And what Sybil does, that's really, there's a couple things that they do. I can show you if you want yeah, to Yeah, would you mind sharing your screen? Maybe yeah, the yeah. audience would like that. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so Sybil does a couple things. Robin, have you ever heard the term that 93% of communication is nonverbal? Correct. Yes, I've heard of that. Yes. So as salespeople, what we rely on 7%. We rely on what people tell us. And that's what we build our pipeline on. And sometimes people will explain things like a methodology. For anyone that sells something that's complex, it's hard to explain. We might have pretty slides. We might have diagrams. We might try to say it in plain, simple terms. But we ask everybody, do you have questions? And everybody's like, oh, no, no, that's great. Well, then I look at my civil meeting notes and it says, oh, when you presented your methodology slide, 6% understood and 94% of the people were lost. Nobody said anything. 
So nobody wants to be embarrassed. Nobody's going to be the first person to admit I, I'm I'm lost. Sometimes you'll get buyers that are honest and transparent and they they'll there's no filter. But if we're we're counting on people saying, oh, this is great, and they're not even looking at the screen, they're distracted. So what Sybil does, so here's my notes. So can you see my screen, Robin? Yes, I do. Yes, thank you. So it it talks about my notes. It gives next steps by the people that are on there. It says what percentage of talk time, what engagement, what her interests are, what her pain points are, and then it it categorizes it by person. So this is just like the meeting summary. What happened during the meeting? I can say AI follow-up. It can connect this to HubSpot, Salesforce, my CRM by person and say, hey, Bonnie was on this meeting and this, these are the things that she's concerned about. These are her takeaways. It can copy that to Slack. It can send an email. But here's what I like. I, I can see if people are engaged, if they're nodding, if they're in, in agreement, and I can go to, so I can look at this part and it's like, oh, there's a lot of red. There's a lot of red for everybody around this time. What was I talking about? What were we going over? So I can see when I'm losing people, like during the conversation. Very helpful. The other, it is, it's extremely helpful. The other two things that Sybil does is if I have a presentation, if we're sales reps, we have a slide deck. Get through the slides. You have to get through the slides. And we go through those slides and then I can get feedback on whether or not the slides were understood and whether or not my deal is at risk because nobody was paying attention. The pricing slide, everybody was disconnected. They were confused. They were frustrated. I can't, unless I've been trained on psychology or human behavior or body language, I'm not going to know what that looks like. Right. I'm not going to know to listen to their tone of voice or to look at their body language and say, oh, Bethany is uncomfortable. I don't know. Are you right? <laughs> so it just helps me with the things that I just may not understand. Such a great tool to give you insights on what's working, what's not working with your audience. Now, when you highlight that red portion on your what's, what looks like a heat map of the conversation, mm -hmm. could you drill down on what you have been saying? Yeah. So if I... If I look at this part of the conversation, oh, just a, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it'll okay. take me to that portion of the meeting, and I can kind of see what was going on. Okay, got it. And but if this were a presentation and I had slides and things like that, I would see the exact slide I was sharing, the exact screen I was on, where everybody was just like checked out. Because a lot of times, salespeople like as salespeople, we go into a conversation, we think that people underst understood what we want to say, but reality is. No, it didn't. And it right. didn't. Right. So there's a couple of things that you can also do with Sybil. So I can send snippets. So say I'm a sales rep and I have a call and I have a call script and I'm supposed to follow that script and I, I'm, I know how to respond to objections. If for whatever reason I had a hard time, the client was pushing back, they just didn't seem to, no matter how I tried to explain it, they were confused. And I just didn't feel good about that part of the call. I can kind of trim that part of the call and send it to my manager and say, I need help overcoming this objection because I tried all the responses and they were still confused. They were still lost. They still pushed back pricing, anything like that, timing, past success. So I can send snippets to different team members 
to just say, hey, this is going to be a problem or, hey, I need your support or, hey, we need to reach out to the client. So we don't have to just use this in sales. It can be customer service. It can be customer support. Any and not aspect. necessarily just communicate the problems. I'm assuming you can also, what's good, is you can communicate what worked. And yes. what worked, maybe we need to amplify and do more of. <clears throat> and yes. we need to learn from what did not work and try to improve it. Yes. Now, Sybil is, is, is not real time. I have to wait for the meeting to be over to get this analysis. Correct. There are t- tools that are real time, like attention and gong. And, but for those, those are really designed for bigger sales teams that have knowledge bases, that have sales scripts that say for a qualification call, these are the questions you ask. But what that does is it listens in real time. And it'll say, okay, Robin, you've been on the phone for 15 minutes. You've got five minutes of the call left and you still have three questions to ask because it hears that you didn't ask the question. You might have someone that's really chatty and you're trying to ask the questions, but they're just controlling the conversation. So that's great for sales teams that know their sales process and says, okay, this is how we qualify. This is how we close. This is how we overcome objections. And you feed all of that into the system. And then it, it's like a sales coach and mentoring your sales reps directly on the call. Yeah. So there's a lot of things like that that are just, I think people have this perception that anything that's driven by AI is going to be a threat mm. and it's going to replace mm. us and it's going to be a problem. But there's so many tools that can just help us as reps sell better and less time and automate some of these things. All of these would be notes that I would have to type up or go through my notebook for the day or go through the copy and paste from the transcript. And it's just a lot. And I see so many positive outcomes of this because a lot of times, you know, we, you know, as sales reps, we tend to talk and and the airtime that we occupy in a conversation sometimes is not appropriate. And I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm guilty one sometimes where we talk too much and we should be listening a lot more than talking. And this gives you a bit of an indication how much airtime did you occupy? Yes. And, and I love it's the talk time. Five, to be honest with you, because <laughs> instead of looking at it after the fact, you can automatically adjust, which makes a lot, lot better. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things I would like to mention here to the audience is, look, you know, Bethany and I were no, no, no association with these tools. Like we don't resell them. I don't resell them. And I'm assuming you don't resell them either, Bethany. But this is just a firsthand experiencing these tools and we're just conveying um, from our perspective what we think worked and i know yes. you turned me on to another one which really it's uh last time we spoke which really captured my attention it's a humantic where yes. we actually do it does like some sort of a personality analysis before and after the meeting and it gives you that synopsis on what happened can you talk a little bit about this one if you don't mind sharing your screen screen and turning yes so I so Robin, have you ever taken a disc profile? Do you remember disc profiles? Well, yeah, I've done a lot of those things, yeah. So it's like there were I think there was a time when we were all going to Dale Carnegie training and taking strength finder tests and disc tests and all of these things, but they work and they're most times they're like a hundred percent on point. So yeah. what Humantic does, it looks at it's primarily a LinkedIn tool, but you can use it when you're scheduling calls. If the person has a LinkedIn profile, 
if they have a very thin LinkedIn profile, it doesn't have enough data in most cases to build this profile, but it doesn't take a lot. It just takes some type of interaction and posting, but it tells me my disc profile. So it says, Bethany, it gives me a little bit of summary about myself. So it says I'm a captain, long-term thinker, planner, achiever, decisive, but calm. So I'll show you a little bit more about what that does, but then this disc profile tells me the areas that I'm dominant. Now, before I have a conversation with someone, and it doesn't matter if I'm nurturing a new connection on LinkedIn, if I'm reaching out to someone from a sales perspective, this helps me understand them a little bit better. What it helps me in a sales context is the way I naturally sell, my natural personality could be completely opposite for how you like to buy. So if you are very heavy on relationship, but relationship doesn't matter to me, then I'm not gonna start the conversation with, oh, Robin, I'm connected to this person and connected to this person. How do you know that person? Because that doesn't matter to me. But in sales, it doesn't matter what matters to me. It matters what matters to you. And I have to remember that because my natural place is data, logic, numbers, results. That might not be natural for you. So it says you're a pioneer, you're driven but considerate, friendly but fast, decisive but friendly. So then this tells me your disk profile is D, uh, my disk profile is DS, where you have a nice balance of DSI. So it means we're partially compatible, but I also want to make sure if I want to build rapport, then I want to understand how do I write an email to you? Do you want me to have a salutation like, hey, how are you? I hope you're doing well. That doesn't matter to me, but that might matter to you. And you might think I'm rude or I'm not a nice person if I don't have that. And then it talks about when qualifying or prospecting, how do I build a winning connection with you? What is going to lose your confidence? How do I break your trust if I do all these things right, but then I start going into the data because that's my natural happy place. And you're like, oh, I, I don't even know you yet. And you're talking about data. Why are we talking about data? But it says- Because it's spot on about Mason. Is it? And it says your decision will, you will impact. Those things matter to you. Where they, they may not matter to me, so I'm not thinking about them. I'm going back to my script. I'm going back to my natural place that mm. that is very strong and decisive and data-driven. Point, because most sales people like we, not most, some, will focus on their style, their way of thinking, their way of behaving, when it comes to prospecting and dealing with customers. And this is a very important point because that agility in adapting our personality and our behavior to the end user or to the customer at the end of the day or to the prospect, it's very, very important. That's how you make the connection. You cannot be on two different levels between you and your prospect. Uh, you have to come close to matching it. And right. the ability to modify or adapt your communication style, your behavior, et cetera, however you want to call it, to match the subject that you're trying to talk to, it's very, very important element in building that long-lasting connection with the with the with the prospect. 
Absolutely. And and it's not something we just forget because it's Correct. easy for us to go back to what we're used to doing. Some of the other things that it helps us understand is when we are negotiating and closing, mm-hmm. these are the secrets to closing fast. You have to have, it sounds like you want a combination of proof of results and relationship, high level of professionalism. So if I get too comfortable and I'm like, oh, Robin, and I'm making jokes that aren't appropriate, or then that might not be comfortable for you. Nope. And I could lose credibility. I could have the perfect solution, but people buy from people. And there's a lot of solutions that do similar things. So if if you have the solution that I want, but I don't personally like you, it absolutely influences whether or not you're going to buy. Correct. And then this is also important as a salesperson. Will I ever get a clear no from Robin? Because you might not want to hurt my feelings and you may be a friendly, kind person. And you're like, oh, Bethany's so nice. And it's a great product, but oh, I just don't, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to be mean. So I have to know if I'm not going to get a clear answer from you, then I can't bank that it's an 80%, 90% confident deal if you're just being nice. And then setting the expectation, will you move fast? Will you move slow? Are you going to take some risks? Depending on the industry, depending Mm -hmm. on the solution, there's still risks. We have to remember that when people choose us and are going to give us money, it's a risk. It's a risk to your reputation. It's a risk to your credentials. It's a risk to your track record of hiring great vendors. So right. we have to remember these things that it's not just a, a logical decision. It's very emotional. And understanding some of these things just may help us feel like it's a natural and better buying experience than how we think it should go. Absolutely. Uh, this is very phenomenal, to be honest with you. In our industry, you know, there are some people using some of these tools, but the majority, I believe, that can use some of those tools and, and, and they should deploy them in a variety of ways to enable better better outcome from their sales. And the other thing too, that's most, not just in our localization is, but most industries where they are in a category of um, uh, small to medium enterprise, not much of a, not a lot of investment in sales in, for, the, for the most part. Some people would have like maybe one or two, maybe five salespeople, but you're not gonna find an army of salespeople in running around in a small to medium enterprise, right? So- right. So maximizing and, and being a lot more efficient in, in, in what you have is a very, very business, a very good business decision to make from an, from an entrepreneurial perspective. If you're, if you're counting the dollar and cents and you're thinking like, this is how much I'm spending on sales, this is how much I'm spending on operation, the opportunity would be is to maximize your output for the, amount, for the little amount of dollars that you're probably spending on sales or the big amount of dollars you're spending on sales. It doesn't matter. But that's the, that's the key factor here is produce more and be more efficient and reach out to more people. Now, one of the things when you talk about reach out to people is, which everybody in sales, you know, either they're starting or in the middle or a brand new budget year, et cetera, is, and, and we touched a little bit on this one early in the conversation is go back to your old Rolodex and see who you have not talked to. But in the case where we don't have that Rolodex and we don't, we're not, well, maybe exhausted the Rolodex and I still need to talk to more people, like the question comes, 
become, where do I find new people to talk to? How do I set the stage for that? Any ideas on this? Uh, I am a huge fan of LinkedIn. Right now, LinkedIn has a supply and demand problem. So last week, LinkedIn took the timestamps off posts. So remember, you would see posts before and it was like a week ago, three days ago, two days ago. They took all of the timestamps off. Now, why would they do that? There are over a billion people on LinkedIn right now. 90 million in North America influence the buying decision. 60 million of those people can cut a check. And 84% of those people go to LinkedIn first. They're not asking their colleague. They're not doing a Google search. They're going to LinkedIn to search for a solution provider. They go there first and 84% of people go there. Now, the other thing that we have to understand is there's not enough people creating content on a regular basis. So LinkedIn is not trying to fill our feed with ads, ads, ads. They want content, but less than 1% actually show up on LinkedIn on a consistent basis. So I don't care what you sell. There is not a lot of competition for whatever you do is that on 1%? LinkedIn. That less than 1%. It's 0.004. It's not even a half or not a quarter. Wow. Of a percent. So, so when there's they, when they talk about content, Bethany, are they talking about like you know a shared article? Are they talking about a, you know original piece of content that somebody written? What's what, what's the definition there? So content can be a couple of things. You can prove value, which is a lot of times we're like, oh, do we want to give away our secrets? And do we want to give too much? Then they're not going to pay us. But that's the wrong mindset to have. That's kind of scarcity and fear and, oh, they're going to take my things away. And really, we have to have this abundance and coming from a place of service first. Mm -hmm. Because if we do that and we serve first and we add value first, it will come back tenfold. So showing up and think about your sales process. Sometimes we're educating during the sales process. That's content. Sometimes we're overcoming objections because they have misinformation or there's myths that they believe by my competitor that has a big marketing budget, but it's wrong. So that's content. You can do content that will help serve your customers in making a better buying choice, whether it's you or not. But if you come from a place of, I'm not doing this so I can get sales calls and get leads, that is a reason. That's ultimately what we want, but we're not doing it where everything is a pitch and everything is like pushing people to a call. Because the thing we have to remember is the way people buy now is way different than they don't have to take a call to find out. They can research us online. They can get case studies online. They can do 90% of the work before they ever decide they even want to talk to us. When they get on the phone, we're not pitching. They're saying, okay, I have a couple of questions. What do you guys do about this? And how does that work? And how does that work? It's different. So we have to approach how we sell to support them in their education journey, to support them in their learning, because that's really what they want. Give me information so I can at least learn before I'm ready to even commit to a call. You know, you bring up a couple of points here, which, you know, in the past has been adapted from the physical world to the digital world, right? So one of them is sell by education. So it's the soft way of selling by proving the value of what you're trying to do 
by educating your audience. And the second thing is we've evolved over that, by the way. We, we don't do that now physically. We used to do them physically. We used to put a bunch of people in the room and bring like some PhD on a certain topic. And then <laughs> that person will lecture a whole bunch of people and teach them a brand new things. And then yeah. that person will, will, you know, the conversation evolves from there in terms of we're educating and the, and the company who brought that individual, that expert into the, into the conversation gained some notoriety in terms of in terms of their place in the in, in the market and in, in the space right. that's in. now we moved from being in a physical world you don't have to take people anymore to a physical location and you put that online linkedin and other tools and then you prove to yourself now how do i cut through all this noise all this weed that are out there and try to become a thought leader in what i do and right. educate you bring up a very good point because a lot of a lot of people in the industry where i am and that's my feeling, are afraid of putting themselves out there. There's a huge, like, and I don't understand why. And that's why I started this channel. I said, you know, this conversation, I was like, why not? Like, what are you worried about? <clears throat> are you right. worried about giving your, you know, the how you make the sausage or you make your secret sauce and people going to steal that? Like, do you think people don't know what they need to know to figure <laughs> out how they do business? Like, I mean, they already right. know that. <laughs> Yeah, There's a bunch of comment on people like they're very worried about, and they and you can feel like when you talk to them, like mm. if you face to face with them, they're afraid of looking at you, they're afraid of shaking their hands with you or whatever it is. <laughs> Just crazy. It's you know, there's so I think there's I I have not been a big fan of social media in general. I'm a very old school person, so I still write thank you cards, I still read books, I still write everything down in a notebook, I print a lot. So I I think that. I, I don't like when people feel like social media is supposed to be the best version of everything and only show success. So, and I think LinkedIn is a good place to show I've learned these lessons. I made these mistakes. These are things that, that we've done that I wish I would have learned earlier, or done better. Yes, you can show success and yes, you can add value and all of those things. But I think it's so important that we feel safe to show up on LinkedIn. We don't have to be in a three-piece suit. We don't, COVID has completely changed like what's acceptable in, in a web meeting and, and how we can show up. But I think there's an opportunity that any business, any salesperson, any employee can use LinkedIn as a platform to highlight their expertise in a way that serves their client in a way that adds value. We all have tons of knowledge that we've spent decades perfecting and we're going to hoard it and we're going to yeah, keep why? it in. Yeah. Why? Yeah. But that's the, that's the intellectual asset that every individual has. And that's where it makes us us versus each. And it's individualized. It is right. not a collective thing. And each individual has a .com after their last name. I just think about it that way. Yes. <laughs> and they become and they become that individual business, if you will, if you want to run that through in the and if you want you're selling instead of being a product or a service in this case, is your knowledge. And you know, when you tell people certain things, give them recipes or help them online, you become that go-to person and you know, go-to person in a certain expertise and a certain product and a certain service and a certain domain. And then that generate basically what you're, you know, in a in a in a way that generate the 
from the outside in leads coming to you versus you going out and searching for those leads and convincing them to talk to you. Absolutely. And, it, and it's not. not right. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you go from being the hunter to being the hunted. So it's not you're using LinkedIn as a platform to highlight what makes you different. And part of that is being a human being. So you don't have to show up, but I can tell you that the posts that I've done that are vulnerable and honest, and I'm afraid to post are the ones that connect with humans better. 100%, 100%. And there's a many, many, many examples where people sat, sat down and wrote an email from, you know, from their heart, as you said earlier. And produced a hell of a lot more results than an email that was written by marketing and pushed by, you know, one of the marketing systems and it didn't generate anything. Right. And we're born, I mean, we're, we're born with the human innate desire for connection. And when we are building rapport with people, it's a connection. So we all have something in common. We all have, we can all relate to some shared experience. And if we don't, that's part of the things that I think it's when you were talking about, like, I need to listen more. Part of it is just what makes us connected? How are we connected? There's some thread that connects us, whether it's our love for travel or we both like food or whatever it is. There's something that connects all of us. And that's where we start to establish that bond and connecting with people. But when we share from the heart and we're not worried about what people are going to think and are they going to like me or not like me? It's it's not bad to disqualify people. I'm not for everyone. That's okay. I don't want you to contact me because guess what? If you don't like me, you're probably not going to value my experience. You're not going to value my time. So I'd rather you move on to someone that you do like, and mm-hmm. it may not be me and that's okay, but I can still add value and they don't have to like you, but they have to trust you. So how do you manage all this within the timeline? So you're right, we're not made for everybody and everybody got a match somewhere, be it a customer or a spouse, whatever, life is matching. And so how do you manage all this? Like, I mean, here's an, in, in this, I've seen this in behavior in salespeople where they becomes urgent that they find 20 opportunities this month or 10 or whatever the number is. And I can see the behavioral changes. Mm-hmm. I can see how frantic they run. And when you run very frantically, you're bound to break a few things. And mm-hmm. so how do you stay methodical? And this becomes, I think, becomes more of a, you know, a cadence that you have to develop as a salesperson. And you got to figure out what your cadence is, mm-hmm. and what works for you. And you maintain that. It's just like practicing a, a, a sport. Or right. you're trying to run a marathon. You cannot skip a two months and you come back and you say, well, you know, I'm back to running five kilometers now because I don't know. I used to run 10, but I took a break <laughs> in right. a few weeks. I can't go back to running 10. I got to go back and start at five now. Right. So what yeah, do you think? I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new muscle and it's a new skill. And it's just like going to the gym and you think you're going to come out with a six pack and you're like, what happened? I did one workout. So That's I think really- it's, it's, it's also prior. I think there's a, there's an energy that happens. And as leaders, we have to be careful to not push that pressure down on our people because we make different choices when we come from a state of desperation, when we're under a lot of stress, when we're under a lot of pressure and the clients pick up on it 
because we all feel energy, whether you're on Zoom or not. It's it's this feeling that you'd like, I don't know what it is with Robin. Something's mm-hmm. off. Something's weird. And they don't they may not know. But if we come from this place of I'm oh my gosh, I have to find 20 people who are your warmest connections, your past clients. Who do you know? A lot of us don't go back to past clients and ask for referrals. If we've busted our butt to try and help the client be successful, you better believe I'm going to go ask for a referral and say, who else do you know needs this? And you can't assume the client knows what you do either. So this is back to people don't know what you do. So you can go back to the client. And sometimes we pivot and have new offers and have new services. You might not have had those offers a year ago when you were working with the client. Say, hey, this is what we're doing now. These are the offers we have. I'd love an introduction if you know anybody. Sometimes they have a need and they just didn't know we did that thing. So they never called us. So I think if we're under this pressure and we don't have leads coming in because we haven't had time to post anything on LinkedIn and we've burned through our Rolodex, then we have to go back and make sure people know what we do. Every quarter, we need to make sure people know what we do because they're busy and they forget. And it's not personal. They're just busy. That's right. No, this is very interesting conversation, Nathaniel. I'm really enjoying this because I could talk about it for a while. But and we're coming up to the end of the hour here, and I want to leave some time for us to, you know, say goodbye in a in a in a, in a non-recorded way. So <laughs> I, I just want to thank you today for what you've shared uh, on this channel. I really appreciate it, and thank you for taking the time and being with me. Any last few thoughts or words that you'd like to share? No, I think it's just you know as whether you're a business owner or you are working for yourself or working for someone else, I think we have to understand that we have to build up a resiliency and sales is a new skill for some of us, but it is, it is the one thing that allows us to have freedom and have choices. So cash flow doesn't have to be a reason that we say no. We don't have to say no to our family, to our team, to our community. And we can solve that by getting good at sales. So it is a skill that will serve you for life, whether you're a child and selling lemonade or whether you're selling senior homes. It's just a skill that's transferable into so many aspects of your life. So if anybody's listening, they're like, yeah, I need to get better at sales. You do. It's 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 imperative right. to the survival of everything. Now it's biased because that's my opinion, but, and I love sales, but I just think that there's so many talented businesses that go out of business or talented, amazing ideas, amazing things that don't see the light of day because people are afraid of sales and we can't, we have to confront it. We have to know that we're going to be terrible at first, Mm -hmm. but we have to continue to practice and build the muscle. That's the only way, which means you're going to be terrified. It's going to be uncomfortable. Your brain's job is to protect you. So it's doing its job and you have to work against that and do it anyway, but it will pay off. Absolutely. And so for the audience who is listening to this, this show or this episode and would like to get a hold of you, what is the easiest way to reach out to you? LinkedIn. I know you mentioned that throughout the conversation. <laughs> so for those audience, please, if, you, if you're interested, 
in, in expanding on this conversation with Bethany, please reach out to Bethany Nanomi. And she is on LinkedIn. And, and as you know, LinkedIn, as Bethany mentioned earlier, is her favorite tool of connecting people. And you can find her easily on. And if you don't know how to reach out to Bethany, you can't find the profile. Please link, link me in and I'll make the introduction. So thank, thank you. you so much, Bethany. And thanks for our audience for listening in today to another episode. Again, if you haven't subscribed to our channel, I encourage you to do. It doesn't cost any. And you'll stay up to date on our upcoming episode. We do these things once or twice a week. They're always being published. And we encourage everybody to engage with our content and help us spread the word. Thank you so much for attending. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Localization Fireside Chat. Take the warmth of knowledge and renewed cultural passion with you. Keep exploring. Stay curious. And until next time, this is Robin Ayu. Keep those global conversations alive.